Welcome to the Talking Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Will Cheshire. And in this podcast, I speak with impact-driven founders and share their real-time stories about how their solution has a positive impact on society. This is a show for founders, investors, and all individuals looking for some positivity and optimism as you hear from people working hard to help better our society and our planet. You can expect to learn about some awesome new products and services in this show that will bring you more hope in our quest to solve some of society's biggest issues. Let's dive in to this week's episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast. We're talking about data privacy in this episode as I sit down with the co-founder of Telemetry Deck, Daniel Yield. Telemetry Deck helps companies improve their product by supplying immediate, accurate usage data while users utilize their app or website. What separates them from other companies is that they anonymize all of their user data to provide more security and privacy to their customers. Data privacy is at the forefront of conversation right now in the US with Congress's grilling of the TikTok CEO in a recent hearing last week and the frequent questioning of tech CEOs across the board on all social media platforms. Daniel does a fantastic job of talking through what exactly data privacy is and why we should care about the issue. In addition, we'll learn about ways companies can work to anonymize their data and some alternative solutions. It's an interesting topic and one that I've been excited to discuss and share with you all. So without further ado, let's hop into this week's episode of the Talking Solutions podcast with the co-founder of Telemetry Deck, Daniel Yield. Daniel Yield, you're joining us here on the Talking Solutions podcast, the co-founder of Telemetry Deck. And Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm great. Well, nice to be on here. Uh, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for asking. I'm excited for the conversation that we're going to have revolving data privacy. Also, some of the differences that we see in Europe, as, as you yourself are based over on the European continent. Uh, Germany, if I'm not mistaken, correct? That's correct. Yeah. And then, of course, over here in the U.S., there are some little bit of laws that are different and whatnot with data privacy. So really excited to kind of explore that today as well. But before we kind of get into the nitty gritty parts of it, I'd love for you to just kind of share a little bit about yourself, Daniel, and your background and some of the motivations that you had uh, for really getting started and, and to be a co-founder for Telemetry Deck. Hi, I'm Daniel, married two cats. Uh, um, I am. I used to be an iPhone developer or iPhone app developer, but I also worked a lot in backend stuff. And very quickly, I became a CTO in various companies. So you could hire me as a CTO short term, or I would just do like lead teams long term that would like integrate like I don't know iPhone stuff and server stuff stuff like that. And um, I did more and more um, to work for hire, and also wanted to to make my own apps. And so I met with this person uh, who became one of my very best friends. Uh, and she's my co-founder today. She's Lisa. She is a privacy expert, a sociologist, and um, also a marketing expert. And I was, back then, we like a few years ago, we wanted to make an app together that treated, that was, that was, that was about um, mood data, but also medical info and some reproductive health stuff. And so we wrote that app and it was a medium-sized success, I'd say. And we really wanted to improve it and wanted to know how it's used. But we didn't want to use one of any of the existing usage data uh, platforms because, because we weren't sure how that would gel with uh, privacy laws around the world, especially with such sensitive data. And we also kind of didn't want to give the data away, really. And... Um, 
there wasn't anything that was like really well well fit to the purpose. We looked at like various solutions by Google and they were like, oh, this is very iffy because the data is being sent to different countries and stuff like that. And also they're collecting a lot of data. And so in the end, I was like, hey, I have a, an old product that I used to work on that I wanted to sell, but didn't really work out. Let's use that as a backend and add tracking to that. Because I don't know, 10 or maybe seven years ago, I wrote a service that was supposed to be used for A-B a- a- testing and feature switching in apps. But then nothing, basically I gained no traction at all. No one used it, but I had like this tiny little backend and I was like, okay, let's use that and build some, just some usage data tracking on top of that. And that was the first prototype for telemetry deck. And suddenly I was, I was tweeting about it a little bit and suddenly like literally hundreds of people were like, hey, can I use that too? And so I was like, okay, um, yeah, I guess. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make this into like just one of more, a bigger hobby project that people could like, could do. And um, Lisa was also invaluable there because she's like, she's the most knowledgeable person about any about privacy laws that I've ever met. And we're both um, very like ethically pro-privacy, but she knows like what the laws, what the laws are and what the different regulations are uh, uh, and how you need to treat data, stuff like that. And so, like, she was the perfect partner to really grow this. She also introduced me to her boss, who is a the founder of a medium-sized startup here in the area that also has to do with privacy. And basically, he was like, okay, 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 I'm going to fire Lisa, and you two are going to found this thing. And he didn't actually fire her. Instead, like, she was able to work both jobs. For a while until we get some funding but yeah that's how we got started that's awesome what a story i love to the the recycling of a, what you thought might be a dead project that you created and to be able to kind of translate over to your back end that, that's got to be a big win too it, it was yeah i did rewrite it at some point because i really wanted to write it in swift because uh swift is one of my favorite languages and i was like hey this is just a hobby project right i'm gonna write the server in swift um, so now it's not a hobby hobby project anymore, anymore, but it works surprisingly well, and I'm really happy with it. Oh, that's great! That's a pleasant surprise. You gotta love it, then. Uh, fantastic. And and Daniel too. I wanna I wanna ask you a question, kind of alluding to what you started talking about at the end of your last answer there, which is data privacy mm-hmm. and the importance of it. And you mentioned Lisa and her ability to be so knowledgeable in that realm when it comes to laws and things of that nature too. And I'd love to just kind of have you give us kind of a basic overview of data privacy, like what exactly it means, what it is and why it's important. Because I think that a lot of times it gets kind of swept under the rug and, you know, everybody sees that, you know, warning or that I agree to these terms and conditions and I agree to the data. And I don't really think many people know what that means. So oh, I'd yeah. love for you to just kind of explain a little bit what that is and, and why people should care about it. All right. So um, data privacy is mostly about what we call personally identifiable data. Uh, this is also of, often abbreviated as PII. Um, so basically anything that allows a a system or a database to recognize you. So it might be your name, your address, uh, location data about you, or maybe your IP address combined with the timestamp, stuff like that. And this data today is very much like being collected by people uh, from from people like you and me. And it's also being bought and sold on an open market. And the problem is this data is being used to track and advertise to people. And you might think, oh, so what if Instagram is showing me like ads that are relevant to me, that, that's totally fine. But the problem is when you combine these data sets, 
if I have like one data point about myself, for example, that Daniel Yilk likes space or whatever, then like I'm like, I'm like, okay, everyone can know that that's totally fine. But once you start combining, once you start combining these data sets, that like it's easy to get a lot of very, very deep and kind of creepy data about data about people. And that's like, for example, I used to work at Clicks. Uh, they're a privacy uh, company that do a lot of lot of search engine work. They also made Ghostery, which you might know, which is a tracker blocker and ad blocker for browsers. And um, at Clicks, we would regularly buy kind of kind of these data sets. Uh, for for example, there would, there would, that would be a list of URLs of web addresses that people would have like would would go to. So it would be like, oh yeah, this is just one data set, four thousand, let's say, web addresses that one person has clicked on, completely anonymized because we don't know that person's name, right? What? Well, but uh, you know, <laughs> you suddenly see that this person has search for, I want to say like racy shoes on Amazon. And then you see that this person has maybe Googled for how to seduce married men. Like this is an actual example that we stumbled upon. And then you see this person, oh, this person um, tried to find the nearest rotary club in San Francisco. And then you see the LinkedIn login, login URL, which contains the LinkedIn user identifier. So you can see that this person is on LinkedIn and what their name is. And like she, we looked her up and she's like a medium manager at a large startup. So it's like, hey, just like these very innocuous, seemingly data points, suddenly you combine them and suddenly you have data that is used, that can be used to incriminate people that, that people really don't want anyone else to know. And just, be, just because the individual data points are kind of not 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 a problem still the collection and the the whole data set as a whole can be very dangerous for people and can be something that people don't want to see outside um for example look at apps that track your reproductive health um some of these apps with some uh, recent changes in laws and for example in the us but also in other countries suddenly data that from an app that tracks your reproductive health can bring you in trouble with the law. So that is also a very dangerous proposition. And um, we are going to talk about the differences between Europe and the US anyway. So let me just like segue into that. Um, especially like in Germany, we have a very special history regarding these kinds of privacy issues because um, the Nazis used various pieces of data to find and collect and deport people into concentration camps. Like, for example, there's a very famous example about Belgian Jews that would uh, register with the Belgian government, which was a completely benign government back then. But then the Nazis came in, took that existing data that was being collected for benign reasons and used it to deport these people and bring them into concentration camps. Same with member lists for gay clubs in the 40s or something like or, um, and stuff like that. So even if data seems innocuous, it can be very dangerous for people. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And, and sometimes I think we're a little bit ahead of the curve. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I sometimes think that people aren't quite aware of these issues because they haven't been universally used in those kind of negative ways right, um, of course. all over the place. And there are prime examples, as you just mentioned, 
you know, whether that's discrimination against, uh, you know, people who are LGBTQ plus or whatever it might be, um, or discrimination, for obviously an extreme example, as you mentioned, in, in Nazis in Germany. I really think that this is going to be a bigger issue in the future as well, especially here in the U.S., where freedom of speech is such an important constitutional right. And your ability to express yourself is very much out in the open. You know, I know there's this this book I, I encourage everybody to check out as well called Everybody Lies, Big Data, New Data, and What the Internet Can Tell Us About Who We Really Are. It is fascinating, the amount of data queries, as you mentioned before, like, uh, I don't I don't know the, the I think you said that there was a, a woman who had to find a significant other while already having another cheating, basically. Uh, yeah, that's not an uncommon query on Google when you look at that stuff. And so, Having that data to incriminate if you're putting it in the hands of a company who can now discriminate against you, not to say every company would or will, but it is a possibility. And I think that's really important that we, you know, talk about and at least make that aware. And you allude, and you talked about the data privacy differences between the Europe and the U.S., which, of course, is really important. Uh, you know, I know in Europe, for a lot longer than the U.S., you have to approve cookies and things of that nature um, just to get started for looking at it as well. But I would love to kind of talk about how, before we get really into the solution and what you guys are really doing at Telemetry Deck, which is fantastic, is how can I, as a consumer, for example, kind of go through data privacy documentation that's being presented to me? I mean, it's such a daunting task, right? I mean, you really, are, am I going to sit there and read through everything, especially with an app world where we're just trying to click through and get to that next stage? What type of tips or recommendations, you know, do you think that there should be for people who are presented with this type of data privacy agreement and contract that might be surrendering this data to the company and allowing them to do basically whatever they want with it. It's a hard problem because, as you said, like if, if you just throw one of those those uh, end user agreements into my face and be like, "Yeah, you gotta accept this, or you can't play your game, you can't use your app," it's super annoying and super frustrating. Same with those cookie banners. Really, they're like, "Oh yeah, just accept this or click fourteen thousand times." Like, what choice is that? Um, and I think what helps here is, on the one hand, regulation. Which is already um, being um, being used and started in in the e European Union, but also, for example, in Canada and California. Um, but on the other hand, uh, companies and organizations that really push this forward, like for example, I want to shine a positive spotlight on Apple, which has done a lot of good things for the for privacy in the last few years. Like for example, they have various privacy. Um, like apps in the app store have to adhere to various privacy privacy things. For example, they have to adhere to the do not track setting, which is a setting that I can go into my iPhone settings to, to and say like, okay, do not track me. And if that is enabled, then apps are not allowed to combine various data sets from different apps to find out more information about me. Another thing that is really helpful and that is easier than having to read through pages and pages of privacy policy statements is also also on Apple, is if you go to the App Store and you go to an app and you scroll down a little bit, there will be a, um, a privacy, there will be a little box that says privacy or maybe two boxes. And they will tell you like, okay, this is the data that this app is collecting. And it will tell you like, oh, tell you like okay, it will be collecting maybe usage data and it will be collecting um, data about your address or maybe it will be collecting location data, that kind of stuff. And what you want to do is like, you want to look at this and the, the, the less bullet points are inside that box, the better. And also there's like two, there must, sometimes there's two boxes. One is like data that is not connected to you and the other is data that is connected to you. 
if you see many bullet points, you want them to be as much in the not connected to you uh, box as possible. So that's an easy way to start these things so that maybe if you have an app that you want to use, maybe maybe use the one, like if you have like various alternatives, maybe also look at the, the privacy, these privacy boxes or nutritional labels basically that can help you make a quick decision. Um, other than that, there are various web pages that can help you identify the worst culprits, but it's kind of hard, right? I mean, for example, I love TikTok. <laughs> and TikTok is one of those apps that collect a lot of data, data about you. And so what I do with TikTok is I give it as little information as possible. Like I don't give it my phone number, for example. If my phone asks me like, hey, can this app use your location data? I, I answer no. And um, if this app asks, for example, can I connect to other devices on the network? I can tell it no. Uh, so these are, these are a, a few things that we can do to at least mitigate the problem. And then if an app is, or a website or whatever, is um, beholden to European, European law, then I can also use a GDPR inf uh, data request to ask them to delete all my data or to give me all the data that, I, that they have collected about me. And even if you're not in the EU, usually the companies will, will just adhere to the requests because they don't want to dis distinguish where their request is coming from. This week, I want to take a quick break to talk about the book, Everybody Lies, Big Data, New Data, and What the Internet Can Tell Us About Who We Really Are by Seth Stevens Davidowitz. It's an appropriate book to recommend as today's topic is data privacy in this episode, and you'll learn just how much this data can tell us about individuals across the world. The book examines all of the search queries specifically within Google and what all of these search queries can tell us about who we really are. From sports to why we don't vote for certain politicians to how pop culture influences our perception of society and much, much more. You'll see just how much we can learn from data and how much they all know about you. I highly recommend the read as it'll open your eyes to data and how it impacts decision making across the board. But now let's jump back into our conversation with Daniel Yilg of Telemetry Deck. Right. Yeah. Transparency. You know, to me, I think a really big thing that individuals can do out there is just be educated. So, for example, right. I think just after listening to the first 15 minutes of what you just had to say is going to be a tremendous boost for somebody out there who wasn't aware of right. data privacy and how to handle it and, and going on because now they're aware of, OK, why are they asking for my location? What will they do with this? Oh, OK, I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to hit no instead of yes. Um, so I think that part is really imperative to the conversation as well. Uh, when you talk right. about the education, and the understanding right. you won't of it, be, you won't be able to 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 be perfect about this because there will always always be trade-offs but you can start thinking about it and like maybe just a few have a few decisions towards like hey maybe the this app i'm going to disallow access to some data or whatever yeah and understanding that you know in most of these apps and in some of these apps you're the product right. as the user yeah like they're you're the money maker uh the product if you will and that your data is what generates some of this money for for other companies and things of that nature when it comes to the advertising so i think being aware of that is important too oh yeah Daniel, i would love an to talk a little bit about, about that if you're if you have a oh, two yes. minutes no please so please do i am very much at home in the apple ecosystem as you know but this is something that happens on android as well which is weather apps like everyone like a few years ago, like there were like a, a plethora of weather apps really out there. And everyone was wondering why. And the reason why is because 
you make the you make a weather app and you give it away for free, even though you have to buy the weather data. But you tell people, hey, to be able to show you the weather at your location, just please enable the location thingy for your phone, right? And then suddenly all these apps, they have detailed like routes that you take from your home to your place of work every day. And like, this is really easy to identify. Like, oh yeah, this is obviously something that like this, the, this obviously the place this person works at. And this is obviously the place this person sh uh, sh um, lives at. And then it's pretty easy to see like where these people sh are shopping at and so on. So this data is incredibly valuable. So these apps would sell this data for a huge amount of money. And only recent regulation and changes in the various app stores that prohibited that that thing really clamped down on those. So so yeah, it's 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 really fun to think about those. Although although it's a bit scary too. Yeah, it is fast. And I should tell my old man not to check the weather every five minutes to figure out how hot it is down in Florida versus up here in, in Seattle in the winter. <laughs> you know, that's that's fascinating too when you really think about that. And it is. It's exciting, but a bit scary because you know what we're talking about and raising concerns here. But there also could be a lot of benefit to having this data. It's really going to be how do you plan to use it and how do you plan to to move forward with it. And uh, it's. It is a bit scary, though, to think that, you know, these companies, if an individual wanted to know anything they wanted about you. Right. It's also about control, I think. Like, I am i don't have a problem with the data being collected about me, but I want to have like a certain amount of control about, hey, I want this data deleted or I want to see like what data you have about me. Especially we are moving into a world of algorithms, right? Of AI, of decisions that are being made on top using that data. So, for example, my job prospects might be less because some algorithm is sorting me out even before I even talk to a human because maybe I live in a bad area or maybe because, I don't know, my patterns are similar to, to some, some patterns that the algorithm inexplicably decides are bad, right? Do you know what I mean? So there's a lot of the, um, like possibilities for discrimination and for stuff, even if I'm, if I'm doing nothing wrong, even if I'm not cheating on my spouse, even if I'm not stealing or whatever, still, I might have patterns in my data that I don't know that the algorithm is just identifying as bad. Right. And then that could completely affect the outcome that you have right there and your ability to get whatever, if it was a job you're applying for or whatever it might be there as well. You know, I, I heard a solution, an idea of a solution that would be to require these companies to pay back in dividends for a certain percentage for the collection of the data that they take. Like, hey, you have to pay the, well, your users a dividend because you're using their data to make a lot of money and they're not seeing anything and they're just basically a product, which, you know, who knows if that would work or not. Yeah, but but it's a super again, interesting idea. It is. There's a, there's a lot of interesting ideas. And I think, it, like I alluded to earlier, I personally believe we're in the infant stages of it. And I think we're in the early innings and in that uh, this will be, an, uh, again, I think when most people understand it in the US, there'll be a huge outcry. And uh, there might be a reason why they don't cover it often right now, because, you know, us Americans and our freedom of speech, God forbid, don't take anything away from our freedoms and data. So, you know, I think that we could see it, too. But, Daniel, I, I want to talk to you uh, about telemetry deck. I mean, that's obviously what uh, really stood out to me is Google Analytics. You know, I'm a tech person. I built a lot of websites for clients. I now have an application. I'm leading a team as a CTO. And there's always the analytical portion that you have to have for your marketing team and, and that you have to be able to track your users and what they do and things of that nature as well. Obviously, Google is the de facto. That's what everybody goes and uses, Google Analytics, 
Google Analytics from a performance level is kind of heavy. It's not really lightweight, which is, you know, from a tech perspective could be improved upon. But most importantly, outside of me nerding out about the tech and the performance of the applications, it's really all about that data. You have to give that data away. And what's great about Telemetry Deck is that the data stays private. So I'd love for you to just talk about what you guys do, your mission, and why it's so important that you guys do anonymize that data. So Telemetry Deck is basically a little package, little package of code that people put into their apps or websites, and it will collect data, but it will anonymize that data. So it, so it will before, like while collecting that data, it will automatically sever any connection to personally identifiable data, the PII, before it ever reach, uh, leaves your device, basically. And so um, this is an extra step, and this will um, this makes a few things harder, especially it makes advertising harder. But the benefits are that I have a clean conscience because I'm not collecting anyone's personally identifiable data, and the people who use our use telemetry deck um, they have way less hassle with privacy uh, privacy laws. Uh, they have they have. They don't have to adhere to all these like oh transparency requests stuff like that because they're not collecting personal data, so there's really nothing that, that can be done. Like so, at the end when you use telemetry deck, what you get is aggregational data. So like um, X percent of users have launched the app um, and then also clicked on the green button or something like that. Um, 20,400 users have launched the app today, but we don't know who they are. We don't really need to. We just need to know like okay. This is the, the number of users who launched it, and this is the um, these are the very different ways that they've used the app in, because the aggregate is usually what we want. Um, so we're offering analytics and usage data, but without the the downside of also gifting that data that we collect to Google. Because if you use Google Analytics, you will get the same data, but on top of that, Google will also get that data and a heck of a lot more. Um, so, and that is why Google Analytics Analytics is free because it's in Google's best interest to collect that data, and they're basically paying you, the developer, by gifting you a good analytic analytics software. And I'm not saying, oh, this is evil or anything. This is just their business model, and this is what they set out to do. And our business model is different. We say, like, okay, you just give us nine bucks a month, and we only collect the data that you actually um, need and the, that you actually want to collect. Like I just had a con conversion or conversation with a, with a customer today, actually, who, who was like, hey, um, can you look at my data and tell me like what I can improve? And the first thing I said was, hey, look at how much data you are collecting. Do you need all that? And they were like, hey, <laughs> actually, they just converted converted um, all their Google Analytics calls to telemetry data calls and were like, okay, let's just have a look at this. And it turned out that only 10% or so of, of that data they, was, was actually useful to them. And the rest was just data being collected because you could, because it was free. And so, yeah, we are hoping to to change that. Yeah, I think that's really important. And Google, I mean, there's so much data in there. I mean, you could get, I mean, there's a reason why there's full-time jobs of people that are diving in there to try to figure out what that and how to interpret that data and apply it to their users and things of that nature. And Really, there's just that core piece of data that you really need to understand that you can improve on. Um, you know, there is always more data. You mentioned that it's a little bit more difficult for advertising and things of that nature as well. Your conscience is clear, though, which is the most important part. And I think advertisement 
is a whole different conversation we could have right. about, at least in the U.S. And, and the type of content that gets driven there. But um, I love that as well. And and when you talk about the way that you're providing the valuable analytics to your users and you're getting it to the people that are asking you about it, and you're being really personal, personalized with it as well. You know, what are you've alluded to it a little bit? What are all of the features like what am I all getting with telemetry deck when I am implementing that? little snippet of code and I'm implementing it into my website or my application, you know, how can you kind of use the platform? Is it web-based, mobile-based? Love for you to kind of explore and, and tell us a little bit about those and the features you all offer. All right. So um, I'm answering your last question first. Is it web-based or mobile-based? Um, so if you are our customer, you interact with the system using a browser. You have a website, web application that you log in and they will show you charts and stuff like that. We do have a mobile app because, but because we're very tiny that continually lags behind in features. So I can't really wholeheartedly recommend it, but it is open source. So help us out if you wanna, if you wanna work on that. Um, but I, I guess at some point in the future, we're gonna hire someone to just deal with that app com uh, completely. Um, so what, what kind of data do you get? What you get is uh, aggregational usage data. So if I, for example, analyzing, if I'm analyzing an app, I get, uh, the spread of which kind of operating systems the app is running on and which type of devices are running on. Like, for example, I could tell that so for some app, the most used device for it is maybe an iPhone 13, and the operating system that's most being used is maybe iPhone uh, iOS 16. And that is already like incredibly inform important information for me because I need to decide which operating systems and devices I support from a, from a technical standpoint, but also like how big my designs are for the screen size and stuff like that. Um, what I can also immediately tell is like how many users do I have and, um, how many, like how many users are converting? Like, um, so a conversion in advertising terms is, uh, like someone clicked on an ad, but a conversion can also be like someone reached the, whatever the arbitrary goal of my app. Like if I have an app that has an in-app purchase to sell it, like maybe that's a conversion. If I have an app for Instagram, maybe a, a posting an image is a conversion. So basically what we tell you, you tell us what is your goal? And then we can tell you like, okay, 30% of your users are actually reaching that goal. And what you can also do is, of course, find a breakdown of um, like where on the way to that goal are people actually stopping or like getting distracted or stuff like that. So that's a really important part as well. So um, this actually is something that I'm going to be releasing in a few days, which is full funnel analytics, um, which is something that was possible before, but very hard to do with telemetry deck. And now it's just a few clicks and you can see a whole funnel of where people are, are entering your, your process and where they are leaving it. Um, what you can also do is you can at each, at each point in your app, you can send a piece of data. Uh, so you can send like, Hey, this thing just happened. Like for example, the user just entered the settings screen or the user just went into this part of the app. Um, and also I can send metadata, like for example, in uh, th this setting is turned on and that setting is turned off. And so I can see like, hey, 75% of my users have that setting turned off. So maybe we should make it this, uh, we should default this to off. Um, what I can also see is like, I can, I have, we have very sophisticated filtering capabilities. So we can find out like, hey, Maybe users from this country, maybe users from Germany are using the app very differently than users from the US, for example. 
so with that, with that, I can I can see if I can uh, I, I can make maybe a distinction. Maybe I will advertise to users from Germany differently, or maybe I will change the user interface so that it will change the needs of the people from the United States better because there's just a bigger market. Um, stuff like that. What will also come in the future is uh, correlation finding. So um, we will automatically alert you to uh, maybe, for example, users from Mexico have a higher crash rate than users from Canada. What's that about? Um, and what we also want to uh, reach in the future is a certain level of automatic recommendations. Because we know what kind of thing you're analyzing, uh, you're analyzing an app or you're analyzing a website. Website. We can compare that to all the other apps or all the other websites, and and have like make certain deductions and tell you like certain things about like how you could maybe try to improve in certain areas. Like we can, for example. So this is not in the app right now, but this is on our roadmap. We can we will be able to tell you like, hey, most. Most apps in your cohort, so most apps that are similar to you, um, their typical session length is longer than yours or shorter than yours. So this is how you how you measure up, maybe. Or we can tell you like, hey, most apps uh, that are similar to yours, they're growing faster. So maybe invest more in advertising, maybe invest more in reaching out to your customer base or or expanding that stuff like that. No, no. But in all seriousness, I mean, you have you have so much data available right there that you don't really need to to put an individual on each of the data you know if you right. can anonymize that i mean obviously i think some people who would argue would say oh it would be great if i had that data so i could reach out to that individual and you know ask them why they didn't do things you know but it, 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 there there starts to be that moral compass that you talked about as well where where how much is too much and how much is too little and and i think the data that you guys are providing are most important to the business like you said i think with the customer you were talking to the their the valuable insights of the data they were using on google was just 10% is that is that correct? That was correct, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, 10% of that, and you guys are doing that and more, and, and that's what I really am drawn for your solution as an alternative to Google Analytics as well. And and I know it's more lightweight too, which for all the, the business owners out there and the tech people out there that are listening, that's really important for performance, user right. experience, and site speed, or app speed, right? Right. Which can lead to more conversion. So. Right. Being lightweight, obviously, is a big win for you all too. That that's that's also true. Like our, um, we don't have uh, exact data, but our SDK, which is the name for the little package we put in our code, our SDK is um, almost fifty times smaller than Google's SDK. So that means that uh, apps that use us will typically launch way faster and use less battery. Um, and if they're a website, they would they would typically uh, load faster. But of course, it also depends on like how, how much they're using it and stuff like that. So we can't really put a, put a number on that. But about the aggregate, aggregate data, you're completely correct. And that's our first goal. We want to reach, we want to be able to do everything that Google Analytics or other like tools like Mixpanel can do, um, but with anonymized data. And we're almost there. So um, the, it's not about, it's not about we can't do some things. It's about, um, just how do we present this in a very user-friendly way? And we're always like polishing our user interface and trying to add new features in a way that are very easy to understand, easy to implement, stuff like that. So you don't need a data science degree or something like that to improve your app or your website. 
We're going to take a quick pause to talk about some takeaways on Americans' views of privacy, surveillance, and data sharing from research done by the Pew Research Center. So let's start things off with most Americans are concerned about how much data is being collected about them, and many feel that their information is less secure than it used to be. So the majority of Americans say that they are at least somewhat concerned about how much data is collected about them by both companies at 79% and the government by 64%. And piggybacking off of that, very few Americans believe they understand what is being done with the data collected about them. Roughly 8 in 10 Americans at 78% say they understand very little or nothing about what the government does with the personal data it collects. And there is a little bit of a smaller share, though still a, a big majority, who say the same about company collected data as well. Most Americans see more risks than benefits from personal data collection. About 8 in 10 Americans, 81%, say the potential risks outweigh the benefits when it comes to companies collecting data. On the government side of that, 66% of adults agree. And that ties into their attitudes for data sharing in the pursuit of public good. About half of U.S. adults, 49%, say it's acceptable for the government to to collect data about all Americans in order to assess potential terrorist threats. And lastly, Americans say they have very little understanding of current data protection laws, and most are in favor of more government regulation. So just 3% of U.S. adults say they have a lot of understanding of the current laws and regulations in place to protect their data privacy, with 63% saying that they understand very little or not at all. Some really interesting facts there by the Pew Research Center about Americans' view on data privacy. And I thought it would be great to share with you so we can all get a little bit of a better understanding. So now let's dive back into the episode with the co-founder of Telemetry Deck, Daniel Yield to close out this episode of the Talk and Solutions podcast. Yeah, I love it. Make it as user-friendly as possible for the marketing team so they don't need the data analysts and they're not overwhelmed by all of that data. I know some people exactly. I, that I work with at times when they go into Google Analytics are like, this is a nightmare. This is way too much. I don't know where to start. Like This is just overwhelming, which obviously will affect performance if that's how you're feeling. Another thing, Daniel, that I think really stands out to me in the way, and it's something that you alluded to earlier when talking about your own conscious and feeling good about the way that you are running your business and collecting your data and not utilizing that data in ways that some might consider to be inappropriate or ways that they're worried about, things of that nature too. And the one thing that I think would be great for you guys, and I'd be curious if it it works, you know, for the people that use your, uh, use telemetry deck and use your analytics and stuff like that, I imagine they could almost be able to use that as a marketing technique as well. Like, hey, we're not, or you're not, the Google Analytics is data, we're not, it's not going to Google, you know, we're using one where your data is going to be anonymized when you use our application, which I think for a lot of people could be a good selling point and you know, especially for a, an advantage win for your clients if they were to use your uh, analytics. Oh yeah, totally. Like we have a few apps that actually will advertise the fact that they don't they don't send any any data to Google Analytics or anything, and they only collect uh, anonymized usage data. Um, that are, those are mostly like, like apps in the financial tech sector or medical tech sector, because of course the, the this is where uh, their customers are the most averse to like any data being collected that is like going going somewhere. Um, we're actually we're actually like if I if if we can find the time, like uh, my coworker is actually trying to design like a little 
a little seal of approval, basically. This is like, oh, yeah, this this app uses telemetry DAX, so your data is being your data is not being collected and is uh, is anonymized and stuff like that. Oh, I love that. See, I think that'd be a big win, especially as more and more people become aware. And it's happening, at least here in the U.S., mm -hmm. more and more people are more conscious of the fact that they're collecting the data. It's just to to your point at the very beginning, you know, some people are like, well, who cares if I get recommended stuff? Well, OK, that's fine to say that now. But do you understand the full repercussions of the potential of it? And then you can make your decision on that point. Right. Um, Daniel, from your perspective, it sounds like you've had a great journey in terms of a professional career and building out your own apps and working on other clients apps for you working for yourself. And now you have a co-founder building telemetry deck. You know, what have been some of the things for you as an individual that you have learned the most throughout your career to this point with uh, telemetry deck and then just in your individual experience? So one of the things that I like I really only learned when when starting to lead medium sized or bigger teams is that prioritization is always very important. Like when I was starting out like as a junior developer somewhere, I was always like a kind of bit disappointed when 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 my favorite feature didn't get the attention that it that it deserved in my opinion. And then you get further up the ladder and you're like, oh okay, like there's a business decision here that like sometimes you wanna you wanna do the thing that's more boring but like brings you more customers or like will reduce crashes or stuff like that. And now as a founder myself, I'm getting that but even more. Like before, I was I was one of those people who were like, okay, I want to have the most correct code as code possible, and I want to have the code that is like very very performant and doesn't of course doesn't collect data. That was another thing, um, stuff like that. But now, as a founder who only occasionally gets to program on the software, I sometimes I have to make decisions that I say like, okay, I'm going to commit this code even though it's objectively bad code, because the feature needs to be done. Because the people need to be able to use that feature, and um, we can make it. Oh, we can always make it better, but it needs to be shipped so, at some point. Um, so sometimes I'm I'm reprioritizing in in ways that my old programmer only self wouldn't wouldn't do. But I'm a I, I'm also a businessman now, so I have to like find a find a balance there. I need to be able to to do marketing every now and then, and I have an excellent and awesome co-founder, but like I can't just put all that stuff on her like we have to we have to do this do this both of us like she can she can really reach um, business people she can reach marketing people but i'm the one who can reach the developers so we really have to like divide and conquer here and something else that i learned is wow if it's your own thing if it's your own business there's so much um so much motivation to work on stuff and that's really cool because especially if if you're someone like me i i, I usually get bored if i work on the same thing you know if I only work on a specific part of a specific software, I'm like, oh yeah, after a few months, I'll be like, okay, this is just, it's hard to motivate myself. But now, like if I'm, if I'm bored, for, bored of web development, I will go in onto the server. If the server bores me, I can work on uh, mobile app co uh, code. If that bores me, like I can like render a few header images in Blender. Like I've, I've taught myself like a bit of 3D design and stuff like that now. And so there's so much to do. And if that all fails, I will have a wonderful podcast and talk about us or just go on social media and, and, and talk, to, talk to customers or would-be customers about what they need, what they want. And so 
that's really what I like about it. It's like this, um, all these different dimensions. And so it's, it never gets boring. And even if I'm like out of juice on one, on one part of the part of, or one dimension, basically, I can always go and do something completely different. That's still helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of move up the the chain of, uh, requirements and things to do as a founder that thing gets expansively much more or i'm sorry it gets much more expansive than it does it's just totally being an engineer or technical product you know whatever it might be uh so that's that's really great too and how about uh telemetry deck you know you alluded to some of the things that you guys are working on now that'll be shipping Mm -hmm. here in the short term uh but how are you guys in terms of you know where you're at the comfortability what types of plans do you have you know are you looking for investment are you good uh, what types of things are you kind of looking for in terms of how you're looking to grow the future plans for telemetry deck? did get a seed investment last year that was really helpful in our growth. And this gives us a way more comfortable position. Uh, right now, we've, we've almost reached profitability. So we're kind of debating if, if we just want to grow slowly or if we want to try and get uh, an, a, a proper investment round going. So that's, that, that decision will be, will be soon, I guess. Um, other than that, we have a really cool number of features that we have that, that we have on our roadmap that we want to work on. Um, like I already mentioned funnels, and that's that's going to be our, our next big marketing push too, because we're going to release that version and then go on product hunt and go on Reddit and go on social media and really tell people about, hey, this is our new version. It can do way more things. If you've seen us before but haven't tried us, uh, try it now. So that's that kind of stuff. Um, we want to be able to do proper A-B testing, which is another thing that is really helpful if we want to do, if we want to have a, a really good app. Uh, we will inter- investigate if we can do um, crash analytics. Although right now, if you want to do crash analytics, like just use Sentry. <laughs> but um, we want to see if we can also have a product in that direction. Um, and... We have a few features that are more important for corporate customers, such as, such as exportable data export, uh, export of reports and dashboards, that kind of thing. And of course, we have all the, the recommendation stuff, the whole, I don't want to call it AI because AI is kind of overused word, but like all the, all the smartness that we can really, that where we can give you more than just the raw data, where we can give you the... The recommendation, because we have the data and the comparison data and the and the whole experience. Like I worked in various app development agencies, and I think I've launched like at least three hundred apps in my day. So I know if, I know a thing of the thing or two. Same with Lisa, and same with our other coworkers. We can really we can really give recommendations, and if we can if we can put those recommendations into algorithms, and we believe we can, and put that on a stable database. Wait, a base of data. <laughs> then we can really, we can really give you something that will make your app way better, and that's really cool. That's fantastic. That's exciting as well. Really exciting mm-hmm. to what you got going on in the future for Telemetry Deck, and how could people support? So let's start with number one target audience, the individuals out here that are listening that own a business or they're tech oriented or marketing oriented and, and they want to utilize your product. Number one, how can they get started? How can they get signed up? And then also social media channels, websites, and just things of that nature so people can follow along and see your journey and le- learn more about data privacy and its importance as well. If you want to try it out, if you want to know more, go to telemetrydeck.com. Uh, it's a website. You can directly sign up uh, when you can include Telemetry Deck in your app for free. 
So it doesn't get it doesn't uh, it's free it's free to get started. If you have a small app, it's free forever. If you're bigger, then it's it's usage based. You can see our pricing on our website. And um, if you want to know more, we also have extensive documentation that is. I pride myself on like we really really like like um, put a lot of work into that documentation, so it's easy to read and easy to understand, especially for developers. So yeah, if you if you are a developer, check it out. If you are a marketer, talk to your developers to like maybe put it into your product. And just try it out. Like the data that you're collecting is going to be um, GDPR friendly and friendly to other um, data privacy laws like CCPA in, in, in California, for example. So it's basically risk-free. You can just see if it works for you. So yeah, try it out. Um, also con contact us via email or social media and tell us like if, if there's something that's missing for you, if, there, if there's something like you you wish the, the software could do, like talk to us. We are really approachable and we really want to make everybody as happy as possible. Um, social media, you can follow us on Twitter at telemetry underscore deck or on uh, Mastodon at telemetry deck at social.telemetrydeck.com. It's a bit of a long name. Um, follow us there. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel, but it's basically empty so i don't think we should uh, we should link to it <laughs> but i will i will occasionally post like a uh, feature with videos about our, our new developments and stuff on there yeah um other than that you can follow me personally on twitter uh, uh, at break the system and you can follow me on mastodon because mastodon is getting more and more important for developers these days uh, at daniel at social.telemetrydeck.com. Fantastic. We'll have all those links available, except maybe the YouTube one, Daniel. I don't know. No. <laughs> um, we'll have all the links available for you to do in the show notes and throughout the week that Fantastic. we are highlighting Telemetry Deck as well. So uh, it'll be of ease of access for you all. So definitely check out the show notes as you're listening to this so you can get some more information for yourself mm -hmm. in regards to Telemetry Deck and learning more about data privacy. Uh, daniel, is there anything else? that you'd like to promote that maybe uh, we missed in the podcast episode today? I haven't really thought this through, but we do have this op uh, this possibility of doing promo codes because we use Stripe. Think of a promo code and I'm going to enter it into Stripe right now and people can get like, I don't know, 20% off or something. There we go. So we'll also add a, a bit of a promo code and an opportunity for the business owners and the, the tech people and the marketing people out there that want to integrate Telemetry Deck into their application or their website use cases on both. So we'll have a, you can check out the show notes to get that information as well so you can yeah. get your exclusive i'm gonna promo. call it chesh that's that's the promo code chesh there <laughs> it is awesome so again we'll have that promo code available for you in the show notes it'll be called chesh as in the will cheshire the host of the talking solutions podcast so it'll be called chesh and you can get your promo notes in the or you should get your promo i should say code available in the show notes below and of course in the link tree if you're looking at my social media channels and things of that nature as well daniel I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's really important we get the message out there about what data privacy is and solutions to individuals that still want to use analytics that don't want to share their data all the time. And that's what you have in Telemetry Deck. So love that solution. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. That's the co-founder of Telemetry Deck, Daniel Yig, joining us here on the Talk and Solutions podcast. And that is going to wrap up this week's edition of the show. As always, would appreciate a subscription to the podcast and a nice review if you enjoyed this episode and share it as well if you enjoyed it to your friends and family. That would be a big favor for me. And of course, sign up for the newsletter if you haven't already. And 
I will be talking to you on the next episode of the Talking as Solutions a podcast. But until then, have a great rest of your week. Thanks for listening to the Talking Solutions podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode and check out all of our guests on our website at cheshtech.com. That's C-H-E-S-H-T-E-C-H.com to learn more as we continue our mission of supporting impact-driven founders. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Talking Solutions Podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Talking Solutions. If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate a review and a recommendation to a friend as we focus on highlighting these great founders and individuals providing solutions to societal problems and bringing optimism into the world.